Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here we go. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio playing one of America's fastest growing game sensations. Which story motivates you to share the gospel the most. Now, I know that title won't fit into a TV guide listing, but that's what we're calling this clam bake. Which story most motivates you to evangelize? Jimmy, as always, you are going to be the federal head of the tens and tens of people who are listening to this here wretched radio broadcast. Are you prepared for your serious responsibility? Uh, yes, I accept it. Wow, that was enthusiastic. <laughs> yes, I am now, ready. Here's 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 why we're this is why we're playing this particular game because there are so many stories that just want to just annoy us. <laughs> and they succeed, don't they? Or we get really ay ay ay. Keep in mind if you have been feeling a little bit with the world they really haven't changed all that much in the last few years. It seems like the last few years, for some reason, the last year especially, the whole COVID business, uh, the whole, every, everything about the CRT business, it seems that there's so much to agitate us, but people really haven't changed. They're just being allowed to be more public with their bad thinking. That's all. They've always had the bad thinking. Now they're just expressing it and we're feeling it. And it could cause us to be a wee bit disappointed, scared, frustrated, agitated, because it seems like the world is just so off the rails. And I would simply suggest to you to perhaps take the perspective that you're a missionary you didn't fly to Timbuktu, no doubt disappointing David Platt, but you are living in your very same domicile, but the country has changed around you. You're in a different nation right now. You don't need to go overseas to evangelize. Believe me, they're everywhere right where you are. Now, if you want to be a missionary, you do that. But I don't think that that's the pattern for most Christians in the New Testament. Paul tells us to make the most of every opportunity right where we are. He doesn't tell the Colossians, you need to vamoose. He tells them, stay put, be godly, and take every opportunity to share the gospel with people. And so we'd like to provide that opportunity by reading some of the stories that just make you go, ah, and then Jimmy, so that this can be somewhat redeemed, you're going to tell us which story is the one that motivates you most okay. to sharing your faith. Let's right. start with, oh boy, do I have to edit this bad boy. Universities nationwide host, mm, you know, I know it's not a dirty word because God invented it, but 
wow, we've done a, a bang-up job of besmirching the word S-E-X. Well, that's the week that's happening for Valentine's Day and the week preceding it on university campuses all over the country. I've eliminated the activities that are too inappropriate to discuss in any forum, frankly. But I think you're going to get the idea. This is what is going on in university campuses. And this, by the way, should be no shock to us. We see in Romans 1, it's always going to be a revolt of sexual expression. That's, that's, it's, it's just inevitably drives there because it's the thing that people dig the most. And they want freedom, not of the old constitutional kind, but they want sexual freedom. And so university campuses, and this has been going on for years, they will have sex week as if to say, join the Bacchanalia Club. Would you please just welcome to Corinth. This is the university. Mom and dad, where you decide to spend your money for your kid's education, totally up to you. But you need to know this is what is being done around the country. The events include Sextravaganda, Freaky Friday, A Beginner's Guide to Pleasure, and Prophylactic Bingo. A ton of other things I can't mention. Another event is titled Great Minds Kink Alike. <laughs> that could be a church sign. That's so punny. Lion's Den, which helps student students explore the dangerous Yet fun side. You know, in a culture that is so worried about being safe, I'm not sure why you'd promote that. Oh, yes, I do know why. It is because that is the inevitable end of men who are detached from God. The Beginner's Workshop will give you an introduction to all things bondage, dominance, submission, sadism. You know, when I was a kid, these things were considered, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Perversions. Now that it's mainstream and it's, it's, <laughs> it's higher education. It's higher. Ed- yes. Jimmy. Yes. That. Yes. This is, this is higher. This is, pro- they're on the right side of history. That's <laughs> what they are. One event taking place during Tulane's week discusses polyamory. An ethical non-monogamy. Ah, the word ethics. Where does that come from? Don't worry. We'll define it, says the world. This is what is going on on university campuses. One last one, because in case you're not agitated enough. One event is Valentine's for abortion providers, where students can help thank abortion providers for the work that they do. Sorry, I just get a little verklempt thinking about the tireless sacrifice of people who take the lives of innocent old human beings. It just, mm, we feel that it's important to appreciate the family planning providers. Oh, this is a war of language. I'm telling you, this is a war of language. Just spend some time with Daryl Harrison. You perhaps know Daryl from his podcast with his buddy Virgil Walker. He's a grace to you now, and we discussed what is going on in our culture in the context of definitions. And he said when he is on the air, when he's doing his podcast, he estimates that they spend 30% of their time going, hold on, you need to define that. Hold on, what do you mean by that? 
because if you don't tag them on language, first of all, they're going to it is words are like the trunk of a car. You just you can just shove a whole bunch into it and conceal it and not let anybody know at the border that you got bombs in there. Okay, not the greatest illustration ever, but that's what words do. That's what language is. And so this fellow who's saying we've just got to celebrate the family planning providers. What do you mean by that? So what is family planning? Well, it means, you know, deciding when you want to have a child. Mm -hmm. Sure. But what does that have to do with the intentional taking of a whole innocent human being? Is, is that what you're calling family planning is taking the life of a child? Can we do that to a toddler? Because circumstances have changed in our home and we're not making as much. Have you seen costs of inflation these days? We're going to we're going to kill our toddler family planning. Don't you know? It's ridiculous. Hold on. This sentence, this paragraph is just loaded with it. We feel it's important to appreciate the family planning providers that are able to provide essential health care. oh they're they're masterful at this i have to confess they are very good at doing this and they stick with it they really do they just don't relent because they know that if these words get adopted well then the concepts are adopted also our organization emphasizes the constitutional right To a safe abortion. Safe for whom, may I ask? Story number one, Jimmy. Uh, You can stop there. I'm plenty annoyed and plenty motivated to share the gospel. We got to get to campuses. Mm. That's all. If if you've got a if you've got a church, and you are located near a university campus or a community college, I, I I would simply challenge you. Please hear this, and don't respond with just being torqued Uh, it it is torque worthy but how's about we respond and go that's it we're going to that campus we're going to figure this out so that every single week we can be out there to try to preach the gospel to kids because they are getting bombarded with this sort of nonsense i wonder what sort of witness you would be. Let's just say your church sets up shop on a university campus and you're there for sex week. Do you think that you might cause a few kids walking by to go, uh, I used to go to church as a kid and now I'm going to the kink lecture. Do you think maybe that could help? How's about if you'd engage with some of the students? How's about if you'd witness to some of them? How's about if you'd love on them? How's about if you'd give them something like, I don't know, solving the God puzzle available at wretched.org slash puzzle. Let this story alone motivate you to really seriously consider your church. You, you run your church. That's not my territory, but I would encourage you. Let's get to the university campuses. The harvest field is white and rotting, frankly. This is Wretched Radio. If only we had a clip of Dr. Steve Lawson explaining what the Masters Academy International is and perhaps encouraging you to support it. Hey, hey, what's this button? 
The goal of TMAI is to take the timeless truths and the timeless principles that are found in the Word of God and build those into men in those countries so that they in turn can preach the Word of God and be used by God to plant churches. Talk about providence, Dr. Steve Lawson commending and encouraging you to support this long vision ministry, equipping pastors to rightly divide the word of truth by going to a mini seminary, we'll call it, in 17 nations around the globe, trained by a master seminary graduate. It is brilliant. Please learn more about the Masters Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I wanna ask you an odd question. How are your finances? Now, I'm not asking for you to give me a direct answer. I'm asking because we all need to think about how wisely we're stewarding the resources God's provided to us. Whether it be your local church or a parachurch ministry like Wretched, the Bible teaches that our giving should be done out of joy. And it should be an amount that we desire to give, not an amount that we've been guilted into giving. Why do I bring this up? Well, at Wretched, we rely on the kindness and generosity of God's people just like you to do the things that we feel led to do, which is preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Your faithful support enables us to reach millions of people all over the world. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to reach the world with the gospel? Find out how you can become an ongoing monthly gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Clubs. $30 a month, Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Basil of Caesarea was the bishop of Caesarea in the 4th century. He was a defender of orthodoxy and wrote several important works, proving the divinity of the Holy Spirit and refuting the Arian heresy. Most importantly, he introduced the Trinitarian formula, describing God as one being and three persons. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Are you prepared to evangelize yet? This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, we've only heard one story that should motivate us to do something. You don't have to go to Tibet. But you've got a world surrounding you, and they are lost and so confused. Was just talking to a buddy of mine this morning. That's right. I have friends. Okay, I have a friend. Okay, it's a relative. But the point is, I was having a conversation with him this morning. And first of all, he said this was just really super groovy. In their Sunday school class, he said that it's all 60 plus. They're all 60s and 70s. 
and they're using Road Trip to Truth for the resource. And he said, I've never seen the class so engaged. It does that. It just brings it out. And the other component of Road Trip to Truth, they're just finishing season one and they're going to start doing season two next. That's so cool. They said, because we, we kind of live in a church bubble and we don't have the chance to go out there and really hear what people are thinking, especially university students. And so Road Trip to Truth, of course, John Fabares goes to all the university campuses around Atlanta and he talks to the students. And what you hear is like, it's like, some did somebody build a sausage factory? Because you're just cranking out one dopey sentiment after another. These kids are so far gone and they didn't realize it. Courtesy of Road Trip to Truth, seasons one and two available at wretched.org. Don't forget about the study guide. They're seeing it. But that wasn't the reason I brought up the phone call with my uncle. The point was that he is doing biblical counseling. They become certified as biblical counselors. And he was just remarking at the need and how they are immediately bombarded by requests to counsel people because they they need so much help. The world is so busted. It is so broken. It is so wounded and scarred and fallen and sinful and dirty and guilty and filled with shame, confused about tomorrow. They don't even know what today is. And they have zero purpose in life. That's right. I use that word. They don't have a purpose-driven life, which is actually a good thing. <laughs> See what I did right there. World's hurting. That let's let's hear that and hear their cries. I got to tell you, the world sees it and they're marketing to it. Do you know who's really getting on it? I'm telling you, I have a funny feeling. Noom. I don't know if you're familiar with Noom. They are the new weight loss fad, and they approach it. They say from a psychological standpoint, and I thought, uh oh, they're getting warmer to biblical counseling. Rather than just, you can do it, you're going to look terrific. If you heard or seen any of their commercials, they're basically psychoanalyzing people and saying, when you overeat, this is what's really going on. Oh, that's that's biblical counseling. That's, that's not psychology because psychology never really gets to the heart of the issue. They just try to fix the surface problems. Biblical counseling gets to the root and it discovers this is what is motivating the fruit. Jimmy, you ready for story number two? Uh, is that ready as I'll ever be. I know this one bugs you because we've talked about it. Leah Thomas, the University of Pennsylvania women's swimming team, even though, what was his name before? Like Larry or Leon or something? I think so. Something, yeah, something like that. One of the teammates said, it's definitely awkward because Leah... Um, let's just say, um, walks around the locker room, causing it to be a little rough for the girls. Okay. And he says he's still attracted to women. How cool is that? So the guy became a woman to become a lesbian, I guess. And he's in the women's locker room and you are made to feel like you are a fourth century knuckle dragging idiot who is so clueless about what it means to be progressive 
and the women pay for it. That's story number two. Jimmy, got it? Yep, I've got it. Mm-hmm. Number mm. three. Okay. This is 26-year-old man in California pleaded guilty to molesting a 10-year-old girl in a woman's bathroom eight years ago. The man, at the time of the crime, now goes by the name Hannah, has been sentenced to just two years in the female section of the juvenile facility because he was two weeks shy of his 18th birthday at the time of his crime. (laughs) Somebody sitting on a bench wearing a robe rendered this verdict. This made sense in somebody's world. This this is how the fallen brain works. You can be very sophisticated. I suspect the fellow or fellowette enjoys the finer things of life, has probably traveled to exotic locations, and sentences a dude to a juvenile girls facility, even though he's 28 years old, because he says, well, I'm a girl too. Okay, I've got a comment about that. Yep. All right, so he was, we we sentenced him to juvenile detention because he was a juvenile when he committed the crime. Yes, yes, you're getting it. But he was also a man when he committed the crime. Okay. We want to send him to a female juvenile detention facility because he's a female now. Okay, hater. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. What do you want this guy to feel bad about himself? I mean, this girl to feel bad about her? I got to keep my pronouns straight. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's, it's, um, it can, it can drag you down. Let's turn our hearts toward compassion. Yep, righteous indignation. That that but that part's easier, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little harder to feel badly for people who just make such knuckle-headed decisions. This is a story that might surprise you a little bit, Jimmy. Ready? It's kind of right. kind of got a theme going here, don't we? Which sorry, I didn't actually plan that. Friel, you don't plan anything. South Dakota bans men who identify as female from competing in women's sports as trans athletes. There you go. That's the four, that's the fifth fourth story. What number are we on? Fourth story. Yeah, four. four. That sounds pretty good, though, like a good story, doesn't it? It, it does. We need legislation for this! <laughs> well, yeah. That's my point. Are you ready for story? Which one is number one? Oh, I'm getting all confused now. My paperwork is a little bit out of control. All righty. How's about this one? Story number whatever. Five. Whatever. Jimmy, there's no prize money involved. Ultimate, it's just a game. I take things seriously, Todd. What we're doing. Democratic Arizona Senator argues in hearing that his four adopted foster kids should have been aborted. <laughs> Can you feel the love? Would like that for the kids to hear that. And then he goes home to the four children that he adopted, saying they should have been aborted. Ufta, quote, I have four foster kids at my house. They were kids from parents that probably should have probably had an abortion. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did the Bible say about the hearts of the world growing cold? Honestly, does it get any chillier than that? Just tell that to the kid. No, you don't understand. Your life would have been, I mean, my life, their life. Okay, we're just bullies. That's what we're basically trying to tell you. We're just bullies here. Story number six. 
to motivate you to evangelize. 364% surge in baby and toddler referrals thanks to mask wearing. Hey, don't worry, it's not death. 364% surge. Before the pandemic, only 5% of patients were babies and toddlers. Now it's soared to 20%. Parents describing their children's speech problems as COVID delayed because of face coverings. Mm. As young as eight months old, babies start learning how to speak by reading lips. And when they can't see them, it hinders their growth. A study by researchers at Brown University found the mean IQ scores of young children born during the pandemic have tumbled by as much as 22 points, while verbal, motor, cognitive performance have all suffered as a result of the lockdown. Well, no big deal. Small price to pay. We think we're safe. So really, it just doesn't matter what happens to this. Small price to pay, don't you think? I just think, sure, some people die. But the rest of us need to be safe. Jimmy, that story number, whatever it was, which one of these causes you to want to evangelize somebody in your world? All of them. But uh, story number five, the Democratic senator. Oh, right. Isn't that shocking? That's horrible. And you say that about your children. Right. Right. So now and story one, story number one was pretty. Oh, I, I go home. And just imagine telling your children, kids, sit on the couch. Just wanted to let you know, and now that I've spent 10, 12, 14 years with you, mom probably should have had an abortion. Oh. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. Righteous indignation, yes, but how's about motivation to present salvation? I'm writing this on the fly. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, a pastor based in Utah has faced some pretty harsh criticism for a recent tweet he made calling for women not to post racy photos on social media. Brian Suave, pastor of preaching and liturgy at Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah, has faced quite a number of rebukes from pagans and even those inside the church who seem to think immodesty is okay. But a look at the pastor's Twitter feed shows that he hasn't backed down at all and is facing the criticism head on. You know, this doesn't surprise me the least bit, and I bet you'll feel the same. The Biden administration has condemned a new South Carolina law preventing biological males from competing in female sports, saying laws like this undermine the core values of this country and will lead to children being bullied. Obviously, I disagree with that, but I'd rather them say something like this undermines the core beliefs of this country instead of using the word values. Because for me, values has a positive connotation of something that's good and worthwhile. And most of those beliefs of this administration, they're not good or worthwhile. Well, Disney looks to be continuing their woke ways, no matter how much money it could end up costing them. Just released a brand new series on Disney Junior called Rise Up and Sing Out. Here's a small sample. I didn't know that was your mom. Your skin is so much darker than hers. Hold it. Did that comment make you feel uncomfortable? What's a microaggression? I know you can't see this, but it's funny how the ones always depicted making racist comments are white. I guess that's because it's only white people who can be racist. Isn't that what Whoopi Goldberg just told us? 
<laughs> Thanks, Disney. It's just what our kids need, a lesson in CRT. A federal judge has blocked a South Dakota rule created by South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem last year to protect unborn babies and mothers from dangerous abortion drugs. Governor Noem's rule prevented abortion drugs from being sold by mail. Planned Parenthood and the ACLU sued. Of course they did. And a judge has agreed that women should be able to murder babies in the comfort of their own homes, even if they want to. Take that, all of you people who want babies to live. And speaking of murdering babies, a pro-life advocate in Texas has been sued for defamation for calling abortion murder. Exactly what it is. After a Dallas-area court ruled against him, the man, Mark Dixon, is now looking to the Texas Supreme Court to pick up the case. I mean, honestly, when you sit back and think about this, how can anyone deem this to be wrong? As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further and say that it's not just murder, but it's premeditated murder in most cases. Not all cases, but most cases. Suing somebody because the truth hurts didn't used to be grounds to win a case in this country. Keyword, it didn't used to be. It seems as though it is now. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible First and Second Chronicles traces God's unfolding plan from Adam through the Babylonian captivity. When you wonder what God is doing in the world, Chronicles shows us this pattern. He is calling a people to himself, placing them under the rule of his king, and preparing them for worship. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Evangelize or contextualize? That is the question. This is Wretched Radio. Have you heard late night talk show hosts are talking about politics? Incessantly, the leader of the pack, Stephen Colbert, can't seem to get enough political hacking on his program. However, a few nights ago, a little diversion took place because his guest, Dua Lipa, I don't know who the young lady is, she began to interview him. And instead of talking politics, she decided to talk about religion. Um. So I think something that your uh, viewers really connect with in your comedy and your hosting skills, yes. especially in the like past few years, is how open and honest and authentic you are about the role your faith plays in your life. Uh, and I was wondering... Uh, I'm sorry. This type of stuff, just it's a personal thing. It just drives me bonkers. Let's pick it up. Is there any, you know, does your faith and your comedy ever overlap? <laughs> and does one ever win out? I think ultimately, us all being mortal, the faith. Hold on. The reason that we're even enduring this is not really because of what Stephen Colbert is about to say, but because of what was said about Stephen Colbert after the fact. Specifically, those people who are big into contextualizing, that we take the old, old message and we bring it into our 21st century context and that we need to contextualize it. I'm going to leave it at that. We contextualize it. And the people who are saying that contextualization is the way to go jumped on to Stephen Colbert's comments to say, this is what contextualism is. 
This is how Christians need to act. Specifically, Tim Keller defends Stephen Colbert and says that Christian critics should read Colossians 4, 5, and 6. He wrote on Facebook that it was this, what you're about to hear is a skillful example of how to be a Christian in the public square. So now listen to Stephen Colbert, a Roman Catholic. He even says so in his response. Stephen Colbert is now going to be a skillful example of how to be a Christian in the public square, which means more than just being a Christian, it's how to engage people, how to talk about the Christian verities. Prepare for a contextualized example of Christianity. Us all being mortal, the faith will win out at the end. (laughs) But I certainly hope when I get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor. But I will say this. Okay, look, that's not contextualizing. That's coming very close to blasphemy. Nevertheless, this is what you're supposed to sound like cool Christian. Hey, this, uh, someone was asking me earlier about what I, and this is, this relates to faith because my faith is involved with, I'm, I'm a Christian and a Catholic and that's re- re- always connected to the idea of, um, love. And- There's a reason that it's connected to love because the Roman Catholic church teaches love. You've got to be loving love, 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 or you don't have a hope of getting directly to heaven. I'm looking at the YouTube machine right now. Pretty much everything that he talks about is, well, let's just say it doesn't feel all that loving. Nevertheless, Stephen Colbert is now our shining example for how to be a Christian in the public square. And sacrifice, being somehow related and giving yourself to other people. And that death is not defeat, if you you can see where I'm getting at there. Someone's asking me earlier, what movie did I really enjoy this year? And I said, hold on. Um, death is not defeat. I could interpret that 17 different ways till Sunday. I don't know what that little statement means, but I've heard it used that death is not defeat. What do you, as a pagan, I could go, yeah, you know, you're right about that because at least we're done with all the tortures of this world or I'm just so tired. I want rest. So you're right. It's not a defeat. That's hardly a Christian commentary. Well, I really like Belfast which is Kenneth Branagh's story of his childhood. And one of the reasons I love it is that I'm Irish and uh, Irish-American, and it's such an Irish movie. Um, and I think this is also a Catholic thing because it's, it's funny and it's sad, and it's funny about being sad. In the same way, that sadness is like a little bit of an emotional death, but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it. So death is not a defeat if you can yuck it up. Okay. I'm just wondering when we're going to get to the Christian part of this Christian testimony in the public square. Because that laughter keeps you from having fear of it. And fear is the thing that keeps you from turning to evil devices to save you from the sadness. As Robert Hayden said, Get ready for this. This is how to be a Christian in the public square if you're big into contextualizing Christianity. We must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil. We must keep struggling to maintain our humanity, though monsters of abstraction threaten and police us. So if there's some relationship between my faith and my comedy, it's that no matter what happens, you are never defeated. You must understand and see this in the light of eternity and find some way to love and laugh with each other. Yes! Stephen Colbert, everybody! 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what did he just say? It certainly didn't sound explicitly Christian. Frankly, it didn't sound remotely Christian. However, after Tim Keller defended his, or after he released the first tweet, then of course he had to defend the tweet and he goes about the business. And I'm actually grateful for this. He articulates in a pithy way what it means to contextualize. I would once again suggest to you, this is yet another example of the importance of definitions. What does it mean to contextualize? Well, Tim Keller is going to lay out seven different ways that you can contextualize it. But I would simply ask the question, is that really what it is? Is this how we are supposed to be evangelizing, to be a light in a dark world? Tim Keller said, it's a form of witness that culture can handle. We should desire to have more Christians hmm, in these spaces and give them grace as they operate. The recent post I made about Stephen Colbert's partial answer about his faith. Yeah, partial answer. (laughs) And the ensuing comments has shown me the American Christians still have a long way to go in understanding Colossians 4, 5, and 6. How to be wise in the ways you act toward outsiders. Well, I'm glad he brought up that verse because if that is our contextualization text, What was Paul saying in Colossians 4? First of all, in Colossians 4, 1, he prayed that he would have an open door of evangelism. We, I think mistakenly, have used the word open door for personal evangelism. That's not what Paul was describing when he talked about an open door of ministry. An open door of ministry is, hey, we didn't think we were going to be able to get into that country. The door opened. Away we go. So it is being able to get there or it is being able to be on the campus. That's your open door. But then he gets into personal evangelism. Make the most of your time, which is interesting, just how much time it would be inferred from Paul that we should be spending on evangelizing to make the most of every opportunity. Now, does that mean that because we're supposed to be wise understanding the world that we are supposed to contextualize? The answer to that question is, I don't know, because I don't know what you mean by contextualize. There's a really tricky line at stake here, because there is no doubt that you and I, if going to a foreign land, we would study the culture to figure it out so that we didn't put up any stumbling blocks. Now, what you're about to hear is that's contextualizing. I, I, I would simply say the semantic range is being abused at this point because if we believe that contextualization is anything from, well, I'm just going to learn the language so that I can communicate to somebody in Puerto Rico, if, if we call that contextualizing and we call just recite a poem on national TV that has nothing to do with your faith, and that is being winsome in the marketplace. Well, then then I can import so many things into this the, the word of contextualization. And so it is, in my opinion, Tim Keller does just that for us. Let us learn what contextualization is. Oh, it's six reasons. Kind of a relief, frankly. First, because everybody already does it. 
That's why you should contextualize. As soon as you choose a language to speak in and vocabulary and illustrations and arguments, you're adapting to some human hearers more than others. Okay, I, yeah, we do that. Of course we do. But I don't have an argument with that. What I would take issue with is when you call that contextualization and then you call what Stephen Colbert just did, I'm sorry. I think this is this is a demonstration of using the semantic range of a word to import. That's just, that was lame. That wasn't even a remote. Did you hear the name Jesus? <laughs> Tim Keller has five more reasons we should be, air quotes, contextualizing. Should we or should we be evangelizing? Next on Wretched Radio. If an, you are a preborn.org slash wretched supporter providing ultrasounds and even ultrasound machines, this is a great big thank you from South Florida. This is our sonogram room, but we call it the miracle room because our mission is to save lives, save souls in South Florida. And in this very room, that specific thing happens. But for many years, we didn't have much support for this miracle room. Thank you for the new machine that is on its way. Thank you for your ministry to the unborn. Ultrasounds save lives, but preborn clinics need ultrasound machines first. If you could provide a machine or if you could provide a $28 ultrasound, whatever it is, your support for preborn, it saves lives, it saves souls, it saves families. You can become a preborn supporter at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. I can't believe how many times a day I catch myself saying, Todd Creel on Wretched Radio says, I have been transformed by your program. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical, health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's healthcare bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. 
God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is administration, the spiritual ability to guide, govern, manage, and correct. Church leaders are charged with keeping the church on the biblical path. As God has given that charge, He has also provided the gifts which enable us to fulfill that charge. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, hold the phone, Henrietta. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, correction accepted. During the break, you said, what about Stephen Colbert? He did use the name Jesus. He did. Mm-hmm. He said he hoped he had a sense of humor. Uh, and Stephen Colbert employed his sense of humor to talk about Apparently, the Christian faith, according to folks who believe this is a stellar example of contextualizing the gospel so that it's palatable for people. See, that's the issue right there. That's the deal right there. We, air quotes, contextualize so that people can understand what we're saying. That's called communication, not contextualization. Contextualization is a big movement inside of evangelical Christianity that says you've got to look like the culture, talk like the culture, act, smell like the culture, present things like the culture, and dull down the sharp edges. You see that practiced in many megachurches around the country, that you see a pastor who looks super groovy, his shirt is untucked, he's really cool, they play 80s music, they've got a fog machine. That's contextualization of the worst sort. And that is alive and well in evangelical Christianity. And recently, Stephen Colbert asked about his faith. He responded in a way that we are now told is the way to do it. This is the way to be winsome. Jimmy, thanks to you, I decided to go back and listen to when Stephen Colbert used the name of Jesus. Now, Normally, you'd probably roll your eyes if you happened to be in a hotel with a broken clicker and this was the only channel on and you're actually watching the Colbert program. But this is supposed to be what it means to be a Christian. According to Tim Keller, this this is this is our example. Now, listen to what he says. I, I missed this the first time. He makes a joke about Christians being the only ones going to heaven. I think ultimately, us all being mortal, the faith will win out at the end. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Well, the, the reality, sir, is that we do. And I wouldn't present it as a ha-ha joke like, you know, aren't we pathetic people? (laughs) I actually think we're the ones going to heaven. Aren't we ready? Go ahead and laugh at me. No, I think that that should be presented to say, here's the reality. Jesus Christ wins. And if you have not been brought onto his team, you lose. That is speaking truth. This is making fun of the faith. But I certainly hope when I get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor. There it is right there. Because... Stephen doesn't have an understanding of grace and mercy and forgiveness, but he's not our issue. Instead, Tim Keller saying this is the way the Christians should be reacting. Quote, it's a skillful example of how to be a Christian in the public square. And maybe that's because he didn't say anything explicitly Christian, frankly. But Tim Keller very helpfully tells us there's a reason you should be like Stephen Colbert. Six reasons you should contextualize as a Christian. 
Here comes number two, because Paul contextualizes in his speeches. Confer how he presents Bible believers in Acts 13, blue-collar pagans in Acts 14, educated pagans in Acts 17. So in other words, he changed how he presented things. First of all, that's an assumption. We need to remember that Paul's words truncated. It certainly wasn't his entire presentation. The writer of the book of Acts wanted to make a point by telling that particular story. Because remember, Paul did a lot more stuff that isn't included in the Bible, and they just wanted us to hear this part. And so we hear Paul say the message differently. And if you want to argue that he contextualized it so that people of different groups can get it, I have no problem with that. It, that's not the, but what Stephen Colbert did isn't even remotely what Paul did. Paul spoke the truth. I'm here to proclaim to you. You worship this God that, well, just kind of your, your, your dish basin God to be a catch-all. I'm going to tell you who it is. That, that's proclaiming the gospel. Paul got stoned for it. He got beaten for it. We shouldn't try to have that be the end result. But the effort to contextualize so that mm, the world just laughs with us, at us, because of us, and loves us to pieces, uh, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But third reason for contextualization, according to Tim Keller, because the biblical writers contextualized. See John's use of Greek philosophy's logos in John 1. I, again, I, yes, he did that. Can we do that? I, I go to a foreign land, and they have a word that helps to describe justification. Am I going to use that word? Probably. Is that contextualizing? And the answer is, it depends on how you define contextualization. Because once we use that word to describe what Paul did, what John did in the Bible, that opens up the door to all kinds of shenanigans and just a license to, hey, look, we don't ever want to like offend anybody. We want to be winsome Christians. Fourth reason that Tim Keller believes that Stephen Colbert hit it out of the park because Paul calls for contextualization without compromise in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. If you have your Bible, please open it up. Please remember the context before I'm even turning there to feverishly find our passage. Please remember Paul's purpose in writing this. It's sectarianism that is going on. That always needs to be in view every single sentence you read inside of the book of 1 Corinthians. He's writing to correct their divisions. So, with that... Let's get to 1 Corinthians, what did he say? 1, 9, 7, no, I'm not, 9, 19 through 23. 9, 19 through 23, said the preacher, repeating it because he can't actually find it himself. Here we go, 9, 19, I found it, eventually. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without love. Was Paul saying, it just doesn't matter what you, as long as it's acceptable to the hearers. That's not what he's saying. But that is what is being promoted with contextualization 
I believe this is just a flat-out misuse of this verse. It is not what Paul is saying. To help somebody understand, a Jewish person knows the law. You can use the laws of Moses. That's why he reasoned with people from the scriptures that the Messiah had to die and rise again from the dead. He also did that, incidentally, in the marketplace. We bring the Bible because it's the sword. It's the thing that cuts and works, and it does the convicting work because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, whose job is to convict sinners of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But the fifth reason, Tim Keller would say Stephen Colbert is our new example, because the incarnation itself was a kind of contextualizing so we could understand the word made flesh. When I first read these from Tim, I was like, I know something's up. Something is off here. And I really had to think it through because what he's describing actually happened. Furthermore, John Calvin said that God prattered to us in the old. He spoke to us through stories. He spoke to the Jews through historical events, teaching them a little something about himself, baby talking. That's true. But if we say that's contextualizing, therefore, on the other end of the spectrum of the contextualization definition is Stephen Colbert, hoodwinks and shenanigans in the church, then I say, no, you're then you're just your observations aren't entirely inadequate or inaccurate. I think the first Corinthians nine certainly was the Colossians four certainly was. But I, those things happen. Yes, Paul if you will, he altered his strategy to a degree going in, although we're told very clearly in Acts 17, 1 through 4, what his strategy was. That's not contextualization, meaning bringing a fog machine to your church. Sixth, keep in mind you can't and shouldn't say everything every time when bearing a public witness to your faith. In Acts 17, Paul spoke of judgment but not the cross. Well, there was a reason for that. They hauled him off. Furthermore, we didn't get to hear the entire sermon. I, I don't know. what. If you read the sermons that are, are located inside of the book of Acts, and there are many of them, Christ, Christ, Christ. He reasoned with them from the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer, die, and rise again. It was always about Jesus Christ to Felix, to everybody. It was about Christ. And so... The word contextualization is, in my estimation, a word that is being abused and used in order to justify a lack of courage, a lack of belief in the power of the Word of God, a willingness to look like a Fool for the sake of Jesus Christ. That alone should just contradict this new definition of contextualization. Paul didn't work on it, so he didn't look foolish. He was foolish. Why? Because he preached Christ and him crucified, period. And that is what we should be doing, too. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.